0: On the 23rd day of the month of September, in an early year of a decade not too long before our own, the human race suddenly encountered a deadly threat to its very existence. And this terrifying enemy surfaced, as such enemies often do, in the seemingly most innocent and unlikely of places.
1: Here they come!
0: Hello and welcome to episode 177 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today I'm joined by Dave from Niazaz to discuss the smallest version of Audrey 2 in the 1986 version of Little Shop of Horrors.
1: Words. Just Words. So what's your history with Audrey 2 then Dave? I love this movie a lot. I'm glad you asked me about this one. Um, this when this came out, I had a friend named Chris. It wasn't Chris from Star Wars and character. A different Chris. It's actually Matt's cousin. Mhm. And I used to drag him to the movies every week. Cuz I loved movies, like you love movies, you know, this is before we were projectionists. Um And I got him to go to some really either bad movies or movies that he wasn't interested in. And uh, I got him to go to this one by saying, it's a comedy and it's got, you know, Steve Martin and Bill Murray and John Candy in it. It's all the people we love. You're going to love it. He didn't even know what it was. And the second it started with the music, he leaned to me and he says, you didn't tell me it was going to be all singing. Oh, no. And I was like, yeah, you're right, I didn't tell you. Because I Uh-oh. knew it wouldn't have come. But I loved it then. I watched parts for this now. I still know all the freaking words. <laughs> uh, this is like the soundtrack that I had. I love musicals and I love musical theater. Um, and it just so happens to have some of my favorite people in it. So uh, I, have, I have a long history with this. So much so that, I mean, I've done local theater. This is something that I would love to do. Um, just just from a just from the songs standpoint, let alone the story, and we did a um, episode of this for the Gradies, uh, the Great Eighties Movie Debate. We did Little Shop of Horrors, and it was a it was a favorite one to do. So I appreciate Excellent. you asking me for this
0: one. I had a feeling you would be a fan of this film. I All just right. had a feeling, that's why I asked you to come onto it. What's yours? Um, oh, I have a point. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, my 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 history was um, I don't think I ever showed it. Um, It never came to the cinema I was in. I had to go up to London to see it, and I went to the Odeon West End in Leicester Square, okay? Mm -hmm. and uh, Which isn't there anymore. They pulled it down and put a hotel there, which is gutting. Mm -hmm. Um, But I went there, and my abiding memory of it is, I've been to a fair few concerts, live concerts over the years, but going to see Little Shop of Horrors there, I have never been so deafened in my life. I came out, I can feel it now. I came out, I couldn't hear a thing. My ears, it's like I had a concussion. My ears were ringing so much because (laughs) the sound was so loud. And this wasn't a case of um, projectionist incompetence where he had turned the sound up too high. Mm -hmm. It was obviously a projectionist who cared because the picture was immaculate. The sound was fantastic and just huge and that's my abiding memory of seeing it the first time was just coming out literally reeling it's like a a a jetliner had landed near me my ears were ringing so much (laughs) when i came out from seeing it
1: you know well that's a good thing i guess especially with a musical And maybe was it was it worse for you because it was constant music no 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 i i loved it i loved the
0: film it's just it was just so loud it was incredible it was a, a huge impact Part of a massive impact of it was not only, you know, they have fantastic songs done brilliantly, mm-hmm. but the loudness of it. If it wasn't so loud, it wouldn't have had so much impact. I also think, thinking about it, because this is 1986, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, what what year did um, Rambo 2 come out? Was that 85?
1: I want to say 85, yep.
0: Yeah, that was the year we switched from mono sound at our cinema to Dolby stereo and and we only had it in one screen and I think it was a piddly squat minuscule sound system so I'm used to a pretty crappy sound system in the cinema I work in then I go to London where you have the real deal and uh, yeah my ears weren't prepared for it (laughs) but I loved it I, I I I loved it dearly um it's funny you say about you know um when you're trying to get other chris to uh go and see it that uh, oh there's lots of people that you know the Mm -hmm. funny thing about over here is we never had saturday night live okay so the first time i ever encountered an awful lot of the actors from saturday night lives was just in films right Right. so like uh the first time i ever saw bill murray i think was ghostbusters Mm -hmm. same as dan Aykroyd, steve martin um who is a hero of mine um for, for some reason, I during the seventies I was aware of that King Tut song okay. that he did. You know that live performance about King King Tut, born in Babylonia, moved to Macedonia. That Yeah, song. I mean
1: that was on. It was on the radio, and I mean it was like a, yeah,
0: that, that big of a deal. It might have been on the radio over here. That's how come I knew him. Um, <laughs> but Ellen Green, I'd never um, seen Ellen Green before. Um,
1: yeah, and and I think for us here i I, and i do vaguely remember things from the grady's episode where we discussed this um she was the holdover from the broadway production Mm -hmm. so nobody here knew ellen green either unless you were going to a lot of you know theater on broadway and tuning in for the tonys and stuff like that nobody nobody knew her here i would say either Uh, okay um
0: it's funny, um, four years ago, the school I work at put on a production of Little Shop of Horrors <laughs> and, I, it, and it was terrific. It was really good. I, every couple of years, they do a production where you have the music department, the drama department and the dance department all combine and put on a show. We've just done Oliver um, back in October, nice. um, but, but in 2018, um, it was Little Shop of Horrors and I God knows how much it costs, but they rented all these props from somewhere in London. So all the set came down. The full-size Audrey 2 came down, which wow. was immense. It was huge, and uh, and it was terrific. And the reason I mention it is our eldest daughter at the time was in the orchestra at the really? school, right? And until she started preparing for this and rehearsing it and watching the film you know, to get a, uh, a feel for it. She had already a- always said to me, I can't believe you ever um, let me see that film because I-, I showed a little shop of horrors when she was about, I don't know, about eight or mm-hmm. nine. And she her, would berate me saying, I can't believe you. And she, she, when she was eight or nine, didn't get that it was a comedy. <laughs> she, the, the eight or nine-year-old her saw it as a horror film yeah. And, and in her mind I had, uh, had allowed her to see a video nasty effectively okay and it wasn't until she started seeing it in the proper context that she actually realized that ah <laughs> this isn't a serious horror film this is actually a comedy and and she got really into it and she was playing violin in the orchestra and uh, and and yeah she still watches it from time to time now so it's a total turnaround.
1: That's great. Yeah, I mean, I guess that could happen to some... I mean, the word horror is in it. Um, You might make the same thing if you had showed a Rocky Horror Picture Show, although that's adult for a whole nother reason. Oh, yes. (laughs) I mean, other than the man-eating alien part of this, uh, is the... uh, It's not spousal abuse, but, like, uh, you know, the the battering that... uh, Ellen Green goes through at the hands of Steve Martin. That's a pretty adult thing. I showed it to my son around the same time too, uh, because we watch a lot of musicals. So yeah,
0: yeah, and 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 it is a fabulous musical, like you say. Yeah, I'm, those songs are terrific. You know, um, suddenly Seymour. Like, it's got a lot of heart. The film as well, hasn't it? You know, totally. Um, and somewhere that's green is just, just just wonderful.
1: You know, yeah. It's an emotional. It's emotional. It's funny. It's scary. It's it's got everything that you want, and I think that I I think that maybe younger people like it at least our age, because when you think of musicals and you're thinking something like Les Mis, that might turn people off, but this is pretty contemporary music. It's mu- like the music of the 50s and 60s.
0: Oh, it's the Ronettes writ large, isn't it? Yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. But I'll tell you what Les Le, 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 Le Mis needs, and that's you need John Candy in it that's what they should have done <laughs> they do and a man
1: yeah. a man-eating plant like just just turn it on its head nobody yeah. wants to see les mis they want to see little shot bars
0: yeah all right so the the sequence we're talking about today it's just um a, a small sequence um straight after the grow for me song that seymour sings to audrey too um and uh, damn roses damn thorns he goes mm-hmm. doesn't he
1: yep damn roses damn thorns
0: and uh yeah sucks his finger and then realizes there's another sucking sound going on in the room and uh and and there he is puckering up this very cute little audrey too
1: and uh i i'm sure i know i like this part of your show where you get to the part where you describe everything but even as a uh, and how they did it as a as a young person and even i watched it i watched it this morning um It reminds me of the Muppets, Uh or the kind of the kind of way. And I know they're not doing it with a hand, obviously, and it's not a puppet. But the way that Jim Henson could make Kermit the Frog's lips purse Mm -hmm. when it's just cloth, you know, and and his and his creativity. So that's what this always reminded me of. It's funny you should mention Muppets because we're
0: going to be talking about. The Muppets in behind the scenes, shortly. Oh, All right. Yeah, I mean I mean it is puppetry, but not in a Muppet style sense. I mean the that Audrey Two. I tell you what I like about this first first version of Audrey Two is, you know, uh that little Audrey Two, it's the colour of Audrey Two because it's not something that's just been painted with some acrylic paint. That's that's like coloured silicon or something, which okay. makes it look
1: real, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. It, I mean, if if you were to see that, you might think it's a plan if you didn't know otherwise. Um, and I know it's probably based like, like this idea is like the Venus flytrap idea yes. of a plant um, in a comical sense. So it's it's fantastic.
0: And it's fantastic that basically what you've got is this tiny plant in a coffee jar has personality because you know he, he he goes over reaches out and it snaps at him mm-hmm. holds his finger out tries it again but then turns uh, t- uh, tries a finger from a different hand that hasn't been hurt <laughs> and he just r- r- rather sniffily like, looks away doesn't he yes
1: yeah, so he's got he's got disdain for this and and how you make something this inanimate have the emotion of disdainfulness yeah. is is something else
0: yep um and that's when it dawns on seymour that he's going to drip a drop of blood into audrey too <laughs> who's got his uh mouth wide open ready and uh
1: and i i, I love it
0: i love the snapping that <laughs> as,
1: mm-hmm.
0: as the um, drops come down and uh
1: it's almost like the snap, and when it turns, it's the. You ever like, you ever had like too much of a mouthful of something, and it's a hard swallow? Yeah. Like getting it down your throat. It's that swallow.
0: Yeah, they, they've actually animated the gulp, haven't they? Yeah. You know? And uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's the only sequence we're going to talk about, but I, I wanted to talk about it because uh, if you don't know how they've done it, it's bloody brilliant. All right. It's because he, he basically drips some blood, nothing seems to happen. He does his last bit of the song, goes away, and Audrey 2 starts growing. Okay, the leaves unfurl, and you see in one shot Audrey 2 growing. Mm-hmm. Right now, right, so that's the sequence over. Right, yes. this is a, this is a real short episode today, but uh, I want to talk about this because I I find this very interesting, right? Mm -hmm. So, behind the scenes then, right? When they made this, it was made over here at Pinewood Studios, totally indoors. The original plan was they were going to film on location in New York. Oh. But Frank Oz didn't want to do that. He wanted to, if you have it all on sets indoors, it adds to the unrealness of it the fantasy of it
1: that's a really good point because it does i mean it feels like even though you're watching a film it feels like you're watching a staged version of it like it's definitely a set we definitely know it's not true and you can see dimension of that sometimes they show down the street it's Skid row and you can see like a bridge in the distance or something like that but the idea that this is a fairy tale is bolstered by the way the set looks
0: yeah it, it's totally a fantasy. I've got two connection things for you uh, today, Dave. Two connection questions okay. for you. See if you know, right? You say about Skid Row and the, the song at the beginning down on Skid Road.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you know what, in that song sequence, what is the connection between Little Shop of Horrors and Doctor Who? And Doctor Who? Yeah, there is well, a connection.
1: I know absolutely nothing about Doctor Who. Um, Is there a TARDIS or something on Skid No, No, no,
0: nothing like that, right? Have you you still got Messenger up on your phone? Uh, Yeah. Right, okay. I'm going to send you a photo now, right? It's just come through, and I'll put this on Facebook when this episode comes out. All right. Tell me what you see. see.
1: So, okay, I know that's a thing from Doctor Who, but what is it? That's a Dalek,
0: right? Oh, okay. The most famous uh, adversaries there are in Doctor Who's history, right? And that guy that you can see sat in half a Dalek mm-hmm. is a Dalek operator because that's how, in at the BBC, that's how they used to uh, animate the Daleks. You had a guy sitting on a chair inside the Dalek. They would then put the uh, top half on him, and he would move by just um walking along while sat down,
1: right? So it was a guy sitting in a trash can walking around, kind of.
0: Yes, yes. You've you you've brilliantly just described that photo. <laughs> that guy, right, is yeah. John Scott Martin, okay? He he had he had been operating the Daleks from the 60s until the 80s. And in Little Shop of Horrors, during the Skid Row song, he's the guy with the mad white hair laying on the ground that looks into camera and, and sings, the, uh, sings the line of, By Subway.
1: Okay, why is it him? Is I, it- I
0: have no idea. If, if you're British and you watch Little Shop of Horrors, there are an awful lot of um, people in the Skid Row sequence from British TV, You've got a lot of extras, yeah, from Benny Hill and the like in there.
1: (laughs) So it's just because they filmed it there and they needed extras, and this was like their, you know, kind of uh, cast of regulars?
0: Yep, yep. So that's the first connection thing. That's the connection between Little Shop of Horrors and Doctor Who, All right? So, yeah, filmed at Pinewood Studios um, at the same time as Aliens. Aliens was being built on adjacent sets at exactly the same time. Now, there is a story, and it might be apocryphal, about how James Remar, who (laughs) was the original Hicks Mm -hmm. in Aliens, why he got fired. There's all sorts of, you know, suggestions and theories. One of them is that he fired a live firearm um, on set, Mm. and he damaged the set next door, which was part of Little Shop of Horrors.
1: Does he know Alec Baldwin? (laughs) Sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, move, moving on. So, Audrey 2, in all forms um, was designed by a guy by the name of Lyle Conway. He's he's the guy who came up with the uh, the the look of Audrey 2. He had already worked with Frank Oz on the Muppet Show. Oh, okay. All right. They Plus, do have the.
1: They have. They definitely have a look. And I never. I. I mean. I don't know anything about the original Little Shop of Horrors. With, jack nicholson or any of that stuff like that that has never interested me so
0: yeah i I would say don't seek it out i don't think you'd be okay too keen on it right so yeah he had worked muppet show he had also worked on the dark crystal and the great muppet caper Hmm. okay um and the people who actually physically made the audrey twos were some of them were the people who had worked with jim henson on labyrinth
1: Totally see all this coming together. Yeah, this makes perfect sense because yeah. they do share a look, uh, and and they that de- those guys definitely had a style. Mm. Uh, so I, I totally can see that it's something about the lips, yeah. especially on on the final Audrey, those lips and the way they were able to. I don't know. I've always been fascinated. I think that's always like the thing, and you you know far more about this than I do. Things look great. But you can be exposed in special effects and makeup when they have to open their mouths and talk. Yeah, because that that can be a deal breaker. And it's like, oh, it looks great, but it's you know, he's just like opening and closing his mouth, like like a, you know, that it, it doesn't look good. This right. this is amazing.
0: Are you ready to have your mind blown? Yes. And, and when I tell you and the listener this fact, you won't be able to watch this film again without <laughs> your head blowing up. Right? Okay. So they create these Audrey 2s. They go to operate them, go to animate them. And the problem was they were moving like Muppets because that's really what they were. They were sophisticated Muppets, all right? Mm-hmm. And they didn't know how to get around it. and And I don't know whether this was just through accident or somebody came up with the idea, but they found out that if you actually filmed these animatronic puppets at half speed at 12 frames a second instead of 24 if you filmed it at half speed and then played it back at normal speed the speeding up of their action smoothed out and eliminated the jerkiness of any puppetry it made it look much more natural all right okay which is a clever move ready for your head to blow up yes that's fine but it also meant that if any actor was in the same scene as Audrey 2, they had to do all their acting at half speed. They had to do all their lines at half speed and then be sped up. So when you see Rick Moranis in this sequence with Audrey 2, Rick Moranis is actually acting at half the speed he should be and he's saying his lines at half the speed he should be. It sped up to normal speed, and then they ADR'd, they redubbed his voice over the top. How does someone even do that? It's weird, and I'll tell you where are you. A, con- I mean,
1: as an actor, like as a performer, like if you're uh, that that blo- that does blow my mind because it's hard enough to do these things at normal speed, but now to be like, okay, I want you to do everything, show the same emotion, everything, but do it at half speed. How yeah. do you train your brain? To do both things,
0: I guess the easy part—it's not the emotion part—that would be difficult. But the easy part with speech is to record your lines, play them back at half speed, and then copy what that sounds like. I guess um, that's the way you go about doing that. You know? Okay, okay, that and then do that on set.
1: That that does make sense. I think it would still be really hard, especially when especially when would they do these during. The songs as well?
0: No, no, no. It's not during the songs. No, 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 no. It's just the acting. And the giveaway for it, of course, because there's no way that you can get around it, is if Rick Moranis was to blink. Uh, Right? Because the blinking is sped up as well. He would have blinked. And there are some cases in the film that there is definitely one when he's waiting to see John Candy and he's in a waiting room and Audrey 2 goes to bite that girl on the backside. Yeah. If you look at Rick Moranis, he's acting very strange. It, there's something strange about his movements. And then you'll see him blink incredibly fast where this is like sped up footage.
1: Okay, i have to go back and look at that. Because, yeah, now knowing that, I would always be looking for it now.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the other thing, which will blow your mind, right? At the end of this sequence, when um, Seymour has gone and we have a locked-off shot of Audrey 2 growing... In this film, there is no green screen whatsoever. There's no compositing of shots. Everything was done live in camera, all right? Okay. Everything. So when... This is genius, right? This this is going back to, you know, the early days of, of, of cinema special effects. To achieve Audrey 2 growing, all right, the camera is pointing at Audrey 2 in its, you know, coffee can flower pot. But Audrey 2 isn't in that flower pot. Audrey 2 is on a track, I don't know, maybe two feet, three feet away from the camera, right? But the camera's down low, so you can see Audrey 2, and it looks, the way they've angled it, it looks like Audrey 2 is in the coffee can. And then they just very slowly brought Audrey 2 towards the camera. It gets closer to the camera, so it's getting bigger. But the way they framed it, it looks like it's growing. It's growing but it's not. It's just coming towards the camera.
1: So they're just rolling it to the camera. Like it's like a perspective. It's just an alteration of the perspective.
0: Yeah, yeah. But because the camera is down low and it's lined up perfectly, it the coffee can is hiding the track and what's going on. You're not actually seeing Audrey 2 in that coffee cane. You're seeing Audrey 2 maybe two feet behind the coffee can coming towards the coffee cane, And that's how they did it.
1: That's brilliant. And probably... Insanely cheaper than having to do any any uh, makeup or, or technology-based things.
0: Yeah, yeah. And one last thing. Do you know the connection between Little Shop of Horrors and the 1989 Batman?
1: The 1989 Batman. Mmm. No.
0: Okay. Steve Martin... In his scene at the dentist, can I just say that song is my favourite song. Straight after "Somewhere That's Green" is <clears> his <throat> song. Yeah. Um, when he's when he goes into the surgery, and you've got Bill Murray there, mm-hmm. and uh, Bill Murray sees these outrageously medieval-style dentistry tools, right? And he does that gulp because they look. One of them looks like it's a knuckle duster with spikes on it, and and you, you know these just hideous uh, dental. Um, tools they are in batman 89 when mm. the joker has fallen into the vat of chemicals and goes off and he's in like this really dank horrible cellar and a guy is like trying to fix his face and he says right. it's the best i can do look what i have to do uh, to use and they are the same instruments all <laughs> bloodied up and rusty so they obviously were still at pinewood studios you know three years later when they uh,
1: made batman that is cool trivia yeah, I know. The the you see his back is to the camera, so you can't. It's like before the big reveal of yeah. Nicholson, so you don't know what's happened yet. The first time you see it, yeah, yeah. It's, and your mind is like going crazy with how bad he could possibly look.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. And when you see those instruments, and that's the guys fixed his face using those. You know, it's like, mm. yeah, that's um, great trivia. Oh, thank you very much. Right. Uh, and and that's it. That's us done. Um, All we've got to do is vote out of 10 uh, on on this sequence of Audrey 2 being fed and growing a bit.
1: Well, I guess because I've been on this and there's been some very like some really, really high tech stuff. I like the low tech approach to this. Um, So I'll I'll probably knock it down a little only because of the amount of, uh, I don't know, like technical things although i really shouldn't like the idea the idea of just moving the thing closer <laughs> is brilliant in a way yeah um but i'll give it an eight how about that
0: that's exactly what i've written okay right. eight out of ten
1: i think that's fair smashing yeah, it, it's it, it really i thought you were gonna tell me especially when he's holding the two fingers above it cuz they're when it's kind of he, the the plan is kind of writhing almost mm. because it's hungry and now it smelled blood i thought you were going to tell me that that was some kind of uh, almost stop motion claymation and those hands were superimposed over what they had done
0: no 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 it's all it's all real time but at half real time
1: <laughs> it's
0: right. half time yeah half time yeah, yeah.
1: when your daughter oh. did this in school did they do the original ending or did they do the ending the way it is in the movie
0: no they did the movie version they oh, definitely okay. did it was really good they had a uh that that, that company i uh, had that photo i uh sent you yesterday of the guy i um when i was grinden um yeah. and uh bumped into a, a comic con um, as Seymour with Audrey 2. <laughs> it, it was the same thing. Um, you've got a, a dummy uh, forearm. They had, um, um, so the person playing Seymour, um, when you put your shirt on, your hand goes down, but but then goes up and into the flower pot to animate uh, Audrey 2's mouth. And then you've got a dummy forearm with a dummy hand holding the flower pot.
1: That, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, all right. I was just curious if they did the much darker actual ending the way it was supposed to be ended. See... Because I think that the staged versions that... I've never seen it on stage, but I do see it advertised, and I think that's how they end it. Um,
0: With with the original Audrey 2 taking over the world? Yes. Yeah. I mean, when I say everything's been in, in camera, the effects on that film, I'm talking about the theatrical released right. yeah if, if they had had the actual you know audrey 2 gi- growing to giant size then that was that would have been proper effects but uh no everything we see or have seen in the theatrical yeah is uh is old school in camera stuff
1: well that's great the, i'm always i don't know what i know why but i'm always reminded of this movie every christmas and it's, it's january now we just had christmas not that long ago and uh i like many people you included probably have the the 10 or 12 things that i must watch or mm. Christ- christmas didn't happen and one of them scrooged and bill murray does his thing at the end where he's talking to the audience which doesn't work when you're sitting at home um, no. but uh it just seems like they were like Bill's going to talk to the camera, and he just kind of ad libbed it. And the first thing he says is when he gets to the camera is "Feed me, Seymour, feed me," <laughs> because it was it was like it was around the same time. I mean, it was like the next year. Why does he say that? It's just because he's goofy. He's only in the movie for five minutes because he's Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah. That always cracks me up, and it's just. Uh, I don't think other people could get away with that. He's just mentioning some other movie that he yeah. happened to be in the year before, and like other people would be like, Cut, "We got to do that again." Why? You, why? What are you talking about? But it's Cut. like Bill Murray, so you don't say that. Yeah, to him.
0: yeah. You just stand back. I mean, that's um, apparently um, a lot of the um, the dentist room scene is total improvisation between Bill Murray and Steve Martin. You've got two, you know, geniuses at work. You just roll the camera and just stand back don't you
1: yeah yeah and they're old friends they've been working together since you know the late 70s yeah 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 i love it and and i don't think rick moranis gets enough credit in hollywood in general uh because he's been really retired now for how long like a decade? oh yeah a long time long time and i miss seeing him and stuff and he you know he, he did some dumb stuff but everybody does i think in general he was a crazy talented guy and this is a living proof of that because it's not only the comedy and holding this together with all these people but the singing he sings well oh yeah um toe-to-toe with a with a tony award winner yes so, yeah uh, I, I never think and i am i never think and i never have thought he has gotten enough credit as a leading man as a whatever you want to call him in, in hollywood and i don't know i wish he would do stuff again
0: yeah it would be nice wouldn't it
1: strange brew (laughs) too
0: i don't think he's coming out retirement for that
1: (laughs) probably not (laughs) no
0: no okay well thanks for your time today then dave
1: thank you back
0: okay all right well we'll have you back hopefully not as long as the wait we've just had before you coming
1: back all right agreed i uh i love the show thank you very much for single-handedly giving content to Neo's <laughs> ass, between the shows that you and Ian and, and you know like all the things that you put up there so um, well it
0: keeps us off the streets
1: off a of skid row
0: off a of skid row what a brilliant way to finish it <laughs> you're a master cheers Dave cheers thanks a lot bye bye bye
1: I've given you sunlight I've given you rain looks like you're not happy less I hope innovate Give you a few drops if that'll appease. Oh, please.